What is up, everybody? This is Adam. Welcome back to Fouled Out. Matt is going to be joining me in just a minute to talk about the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. We are down to the final eight teams in the NFL after a pretty lackluster wildcard weekend. Like from an objective fan perspective, five of those six games were just not fun. Uh, But thankfully, the Lions and Rams kind of saved it, gave us a super fun game Sunday night, especially here in Metro Detroit. Uh, So we're going to talk a little bit about that and how Matt's feeling about the Lions first playoff win and 30 whatever years, whatever crazy number it was. We're going to break down all four games for this upcoming weekend and pick winners. Uh, we were five and one last week. We're going to talk about the team that screwed us from being six and zero oh as well. So uh, a lot of fun stuff coming up on the podcast before we get into the music. Just a reminder that you can reach out to us fouled out sports at gmail.com. We really appreciate you guys listening to the podcast. We would love to get your feedback on what's working for you, what's not, what you want to hear more of. So reach out to us again. That's fouledoutsports at gmail.com. All right, let's go get Matt and let's talk divisional round playoffs. Let's go. Matt is here, fresh off of NFL wildcard weekend. We're ready for the divisional weekend. Matt, our picks went five and one for wildcard week because we made the fatal, fatal mistake of picking the goddamn Dallas Cowboys. We didn't listen. It's so like Matt and I have been talking about this ad nauseum. Since the Cowboys lost on Sunday, it's just like, oh, why? No, 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 no. We started talking about it like the second drive of the game. Oh, I mean, even going back further, the morning of, I text you the FanDuel stats on like all the betting. And it yeah. showed that I think it was like 77% of the money was on Dallas. And I was like, I don't like this. I'm starting yeah. not to feel good about it. And sure enough, they become the first two seed in the history of the NFL to lose to a seven seed. It it should have been enough just for us to know that that option was on the table and that if any team was going to do that, it was going to be the Dallas Cowboys. It was always going to be a Dak Prescott or more accurately, Hack Prescott led Dallas Cowboys. We did a whole section on the podcast last week about all the reasons you should pick against Cleveland and all the warning signs that there were that Cleveland was going to lose to the Houston Texans. And didn't even think about the fact that all of those same warning signs applied to the Dallas Cowboys. About like how many people were on their bandwagon, the percent of money that was on them, uh, all of the above. Also, the fact that Green Bay completely owns the Cowboys. They're like 10 and one against Dallas in their last 11 games. There was so many reasons we should have picked against Dallas. We didn't do it, but still had a pretty good weekend overall left the weekend with way more money than I entered it with. Thanks to uh, Houston Texans who I had a ton on. Yeah. And then uh, the bucks last night beating the Eagles. And like the other funny thing about picking Dallas was not only did we ignore everything we said about Cleveland, but also at the end of the podcast, I was like kind of waffling on picking the bucks. Cause I was like, ah, I don't know. And I compared it to the Minnesota situation from last year. 
Yeah. Where I was like, I've been saying the Bucks are going to beat the Eagles for over a month now. Yep. And we, I stuck with the pick and like, thank goodness I did. But I also went all the way back to the preseason podcast where I picked Dallas to be the number one wild card. And in that podcast, I said, Dallas's destiny is to win 12 games and lose to a bad wild card team or lose to a bad division winner. Yeah. And sure enough, here we are. And I feel foolish for not picking Green Bay. It, it's precisely what we did last year with Minnesota. Like to a T. And we vowed that we weren't going to make the mistake again. And like to our credit, we didn't fall for it for with Cleveland. We didn't fall for it with Philly. I think because it was Green Bay, we were blinded by that. And we just couldn't see the truth there because we just had tunnel vision because it's two teams that we both hate. Like, I don't hate Green Bay. Not like you, you do. No, not like I do, but you definitely don't like them. I hate Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. And I, I hated that Green Bay fans did, were like, did, he's he's the GOAT. He's got one Super Bowl. GOAT. That's that entire franchise, that uh, entire fan base. So you kind of hate them. Okay, Green Bay, I might hate you a little <laughs> bit. But I love Jordan Love. I'm like the number one Jordan Love. You know, I got like the first seat on the bandwagon when he was in the draft. Yeah. So I appreciate that. I was thinking about this over the weekend. You know, my team was horrible this year. We're four and 13. It was an awful season. But I was like, man, I would rather be a Patriots fan than a Dallas fan or a Cleveland fan. Yeah. Or like a Dolphins fan. These teams that have big money or will soon have big money committed to a quarterback who can get you to the dance, but can't win games in the playoffs. Yeah. Like I would rather not have a quarterback than have Dak Prescott for 40 plus million dollars. I don't think the game was over before I sat down and started doing this. So I made a list of quarterbacks that I think you can like argue may or may not be better than Dak, but like they're kind of around him. And then a list of quarterbacks that you cannot convince me I would not rather have them than him. I came up with, yeah, 13 quarterbacks that you cannot convince me I would not rather have. Is Jordan Love on your list? Is, no. is this the podcast where you admit that Jordan Love is good? This is not. Damn it. So, uh, in no particular order, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, uh, Josh Allen, uh, Justin Herbert, Matt Stafford, Jared Goff, CJ Stroud, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, Kirk Cousins, Anthony Richardson, Tua Tagovailoa, and Brock Purdy. Yeah, I I probably wouldn't argue with any of those. Yeah, like every single one of those I think is definitively a better quarterback than Dak Prescott. Or will be in the very near future. The fact that I would rather be a Patriots fan than a Dallas fan is not even an indictment on Dak Prescott and like no. his skill level. It's just the fact that like the bit what we've seen throughout the history of the NFL 
is that if you're paying your quarterback a ton of money, you typically cannot win the Super Bowl. Like if he's on that massive contract, unless it's like someone really special like Patrick yeah. Mahomes or Peyton Manning. And if I have 40 plus million committed to a guy who can't get it done, and like I yeah. know definitive, definitively cannot win me a Super Bowl, I don't want to be in that position. I would yeah. rather be bad and looking for a quarterback than to have a quarterback who's going to get me eliminated in the first round of the playoffs every year. At least with my number three pick in the draft here, I have hope, right? And I yeah. know if I hit this, I'm about to enter the best phase that any team can be in. The one that uh, Houston's in right now is where you have a really good quarterback on a rookie deal because it's the yeah. biggest advantage you can have in sports. RIP right now to like the Jags and the Titans. Like, well, maybe Will Levis like enters that like stratosphere of quarterback eventually but right now it's like if you're in that division you want to be either indy or houston like that's it if you were jacksonville would you give trevor lawrence the massive extension no he hasn't proven it trevor lawrence is such a hard one for me because like i agree with you but then also i look at the fact that his coaches were urban meyer and doug peterson and i'm like "Ah, it might not be his fault it really might no, not be. No, I, I totally agree with that for sure. But it's like, are you going to give him a 50 plus million dollar de- a year deal to then find out like even with a different coaching staff? Oh no, this is just who he is. Like that is a backbreaker. Yeah. Well, I'm going to tell you that they're going to. It's oh, yeah. going to happen. But for like, sure. It's almost like in the NBA where you need a top five guy to win the NBA championship. Mm -hmm. But there's obviously like not enough of those guys for every team to be for it to be like every team's max player, if that makes sense. And so you have teams that end up like maxing uh, like Bradley Beal, you know, and that's what Dak Prescott reminds me of is it's like, okay, he's going to put up good stats in the regular season but he's either not going to make the playoffs or if he does make the playoffs, they're not going to perform well. And yeah. I'm crippling other parts of my roster because I got to pay this guy so much money. Yeah. And they're yeah. talking about well, giving him another, they're going to give him another extension. Yeah. Dak. And the stats do not display just how poorly he played. He should have had five interceptions in that game. Normally you get benched after four. Who were your quarterbacks that you we're like on the fence if you would take them over Dak Prescott or not. Uh, Geno Smith, uh, Derek Carr, although regular season, I'll take Dak playoff. I'd probably still take Carr because I'm not, not ever taking Dak in the playoffs. Um, Will Levis, I think just because of potential upside. Uh, Kyler Murray and Baker Mayfield. I, I I will give you this. Jordan Love may have snuck his way into that. I was going to say the fact that we got this far down on the list and you haven't said the name Jordan Love yet is just like Matt's gone into full Jordan Love hater territory. Well, I, I mean, honestly, the first half of the year, like didn't the stats did not tell you the way he was playing. That dude should have had at least five more interceptions the way he was throwing up arm punts. It was like the first few weeks of the year. It was really, really bad. And no one was catching it. 
which is how they got destroyed by the lines because they were like the first team that finally started fucking catching it. They're like, wait, we'll just catch the arm punts. <laughs> no, I'm, but I mean, like, I look at what Jordan Love did this season and what he yeah. just did on Sunday with the supporting cast that he has of wide receivers and tight ends. I'm like, okay, like either his supporting I mean, cast is super underrated or he's just a really good quarterback. Kind of feel like at the very least, the first one is true. Uh, Romeo Dubs, while like, yeah, that was his first like 100 yard game in his career. It's not like he hasn't been solid, like pretty much from day one. Uh, and he's gotten better, I would say. Are, are we just going to sit here and act like Christian Watson isn't like a serious weapon? Christian Watson had one catch on Sunday. Yeah. But my guy's well, out like, here throwing to Romeo Dobbs and Dontavion Wicks and yeah. Luke Musgrave. Yeah. Well, because the zone is actively trying to take away Christian Watson because he runs like a 4 2. I'm going to get you to admit that Jordan Love is good on this podcast uh, someday. It's going to be the best episode ever. Also, again, like I've been saying it for like five years now. That team really kind of just goes as Aaron Jones goes. Like he scored those first two touchdowns, and like that was really the nail in the coffin for Dallas. Aaron Jones do be balling. Uh, yeah. All right. So that was the wild card wrap up. Like I said, five and one. We blew the Dallas pick. We know why we did it. We we won't do it again. Mm-hmm. It, you know what it reminds me of? Last year we were like we should pick against Minnesota and L.A. The Chargers, and we didn't, and we ended up four and two. And so this year we like learned our lesson, and we're like we're gonna pick against Cleveland, we're gonna pick against, but it's like we did one and not the other. Yeah, you know, it's like we we made the Vikings pick, but we didn't make the Chargers pick this year, and it's like it's frustrating because the last couple of years we did we were six and zero. Yeah, and then four and two, and then five and one. So still a pretty good weekend. Yeah. So I mean, I think the real question is like. Who are we going to forget this lesson about next year? <laughs> it's <laughs> probably the Dolphins or something stupid. Uh, all right. Four games this weekend. The first one is Texans at Ravens. 430 on Saturday. The Ravens are currently favored by nine and a half. That's a bold line. That's the lines this weekend. I I don't like most of the lines like the Ravens are favored by nine and a half. San Francisco's favored by 10 over green Bay. I, those two, I don't like nobody. Well, maybe the Rams, I guess, but nobody played Baltimore tougher this year out of the teams that lost. Right. And Houston did. I mean, they, they scared the fucking shit out of them. And that was week one when they didn't know what they were doing. And I think Houston's better now. So I think this game is super interesting. I was so I was watching Houston smoke Cleveland yeah. on Saturday, which was free money. If you listen to either of the podcasts yep. we released last week, we did a wild card preview and I did a whole podcast about Bill Belichick leaving the Patriots, where I started it by saying it's Saturday morning. Houston plays at 430. Go take the money line right now. So I was 
free money from us to you. You are welcome. But I was thinking about this, and it applies to Green Bay and Dallas too, is when you have these teams that are like fighting for their playoff lives for weeks, and then they go up against a team that's kind of like been able to relax. Mm-hmm. Like Cleveland was resting all their guys week 18, right? They yeah. had Jeff Driscoll and like PR whatever out there uh, playing. I wonder if we should like watch for that next year. Cause like that happened with green Bay too, is like they were playing playoff football yeah. for a couple weeks while Dallas was kind of like beating up on Washington and just kind of wrapping I up mean, the division. Let's be real. They've, they've been essentially playing playoff football since like week eight or nine. Yeah. No. So the interesting thing to me about this game is that the Ravens are not only coming off of a bye but they rested all their starters in week 18. So Lamar Jackson hasn't played since December 31st, which was week 17 for them. The last time that the Ravens had the one seed like this and had a bye, they rested all their guys week 17. That was when there was only 17 weeks in the season. They have the bye and then they come out and they lose to Tennessee and they look super sloppy. Yeah. You know, and I think we've seen this with other teams. We've certainly seen this with Patriot teams, the ones that didn't win the Super Bowl in the past, or even ones that did win their first game sometimes, where you're rolling, right? You're really hot. You're playing good football. And then you rest your guys for a week, and then you have a bye week. Now they're coming back, not having played in two weeks, going up against a team in the Texans who have been playing playoff football for weeks and playing it well, because they just beat the shit out of one of your division rivals last week. Mm-hmm. So I look at that nine and a half and I'm like, I, if I was like betting on the Ravens, that would make me really nervous to say they're going to win this game by double digits. Yeah. I I almost feel like you kind of have to take the, that Houston money line there. Houston, I'm all for Houston money line or Houston to cover. Right, sorry. He, the Houston spread Houston to cover. Wow. Um, like that was a bold prediction. Yeah, <laughs> has to be done. <laughs> you have to end of podcast. Just go out there, and spend money on Houston. Same advice two weeks in a row. <laughs> I respect that the Ravens are the one seed, and that they overall are definitely a more talented roster and all that. Got more experience. The Ravens are sitting there flat footed. And Houston is barreling downhill at them. But we see the Ravens' ability to like come out with a win from this. But I don't think that they're going to be able to do it without taking one on the chin from the Texans. At least to start. Because like it they're playing really good football and they've got all the momentum in the world. Yeah, I kind of I keep looking back at the last time. The Ravens had the one seed. Like I said, the game they lost to Tennessee. And I was like, man, I I could see this game following a similar pattern where like the the underdog comes out, you know, the Ravens are a little bit sloppy to start, start getting it together later. But by that point, they're already down. The problem back then was that the Ravens had a really crappy passing game. Uh, You know, Greg Roman was still in charge. And they had Lamar throw like 56 passes and we were all like, God, why wouldn't you just keep running? Whatever. The thing about the Ravens now, the thing that kind of makes them a little scarier is 
that if they do get down by a couple scores, they've been throwing the ball very well this season uh, with yeah. and without Mark Andrews. And apparently Mark Andrews is going to come back for this game. So, you know, it's not one of those situations like it was in the past where it's like, oh, man, watch out. If the Ravens get down early, this could turn into a really ugly game quickly. Nope. They have the ability to come back on you quickly yeah. now, too. Um, so I, th- I think that this game presents them with a lot of opportunities to, uh, like, however you want to say it, get the monkey off their back, face their mm-hmm. demons. You know, Lamar Jackson's one in three in the playoffs. Yeah. Uh, he hasn't played good playoff football. And like I said, like the last time this happened, it was a horribly embarrassing defeat for them uh, with the Tennessee Titans coming to town. So it's a good opportunity against like, yeah, CJ Stroud was awesome last week. The whole team was Mm -hmm. awesome. But I I just think that there's a big difference between playing Cleveland at home and going on the road to go to Baltimore and like being outside in Baltimore. Lamar Jackson's on the other side. Like I, I think it's a huge, it's a world of difference for CJ Stroud right now. There there's, I think a huge drop off between the ability of one coach versus another to get their team ready for a playoff game between John Harbaugh and Kevin Stefanski. Like, I think it's, it's a world of difference and it's, this game is, is going to be fascinating for me. I'm, kind of glad it's the first one because it's the one that I'm other than the Lions game obviously though that I'm like really chomping at the bit to see because like no one's really been able to stop the Nico Collins CJ Stroud connection all year really so like <laughs> this is a playoff game like I'm really interested to see what Baltimore has up their sleeve to try to deal with that because they have to yeah, I'm going to say I expect Baltimore to win this game. Although, like, my pick is going to be the Ravens to win. But I'm probably going to bet on the Texans to cover. Yeah. Especially if it's like nine and a half, ten points. Yeah, I I expect the Ravens to win. I do not expect them to feel good about it. Yeah, ex- that's exactly where I'm at. And I it just wouldn't shock me if we see like Lamar Jackson not have that good of a game and the Ravens kind of like stumble a bit here and end up losing just because Mm -hmm. of their history. And like, you know, Lamar Jackson fairly or unfairly has received the James Harden tag so far in his career where it's just like, listen, this guy is an excellent, excellent regular season player. But when it comes crunch time, he hasn't delivered. And like, he's only played four playoff games. So it's not like the long track record that James Harden has. But if he loses this one and doesn't play great, not even the long track record that Dak Prescott has. The reason I think Lamar Jackson is a better comp for James Harden is because now Lamar has two MVPs and he's like, yeah, proven that he's one of, if not the best quarterbacks in the league, like he's up in like your top five. Right. Yeah. And this was the same thing with James Harden, like multiple MVPs, incredible statistical seasons melts down in the playoffs. So I think this is the opportunity for them to get the monkey off their back. Mm-hmm. And then next week gets super interesting because they're either playing Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes yeah. at home if they win this one. So, well, and it again, essentially two weeks without playing, like it's not a great 
scenario to try to get the monkey off your back. Uh, which is why I kind of expect it to be messy. I don't necessarily expect Lamar to look his best. And I wouldn't be surprised if like he and his receivers just look out of sync. Quite frankly, you can't build rhythm without live fire reps. And they haven't had that in two weeks. So it, it'll be interesting. Uh, but I, I'm not betting against this team that has looked so good all fucking year. Yeah, they've they've consistently, they've been like the only team that's consistently delivered this year. Yeah. So I'm not gonna pick against them, at least not yet. But like, I don't know. The buy is a hard thing because it's like you want it for sure, but then yeah. also when you're playing as good as they were playing near the end of the season. You want to keep that rolling. Yeah. And taking two weeks off is like, I don't love that either. So are you, you're picking the Ravens as well? Yeah. Okay. That's seven, seven agrees in a row. We have to disagree. <laughs> so the only thing, it's like the only thing we disagree on, on this podcast is that Jordan loves a good quarterback. Yeah. Game two, Saturday night at eight 15 is the green Bay Packers and the aforementioned good quarterback, Jordan love. Uh, at the 49ers. Uh, he's got jokes. San Francisco <laughs> opens as a 10-point favorite. Uh, Matt, I'm just going to tell you that Jordan Love has a chance to do the funniest fucking thing we have ever seen. If he can beat San Francisco. You know, he goes in. He beats Dallas last week, 48-32. Something that Aaron Rodgers did a couple times as well. Like I said, Green Bay has owned Dallas over the last 11 yeah. meetings. Aaron Rodgers never beat San Francisco. Nope. He's 0-4, or not in the playoffs. He's 0-4 against them in the playoffs. Yeah. And he never beat them when it mattered. Constantly got embarrassed by them. Uh, you I know, mean, most... to be fair, he didn't win a whole lot of games after the Super Bowl when it mattered. So, yeah. You know, Patrick Mahomes has the same amount of playoff wins as Aaron Rodgers. Patrick Mahomes is 12-3 and now. I think Rodgers was 12-10. and was his playoff yeah. record? It was something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And Patrick Mahomes has already won more Super Bowls. So, yeah, I just think it would be the funniest thing ever if Jordan Love, his first chance to play San Francisco in the playoffs, and it's in San Francisco, if he were to be able to go in and beat them. Not the most crazy thing in terms of its probability of happening. So here's the way that I see this game. And this is just kind of the way I see the San Francisco 49ers in general is that there are two 49ers teams. There's the one that gets ahead early and yep. is able to run and throw off play action and they dominate and everything looks awesome. And it's like, oh my God, this is the best team ever. Look at all the weapons. Brock Purdy is so good at football. The second version of the 49ers is when they get behind and Brock Purdy has to do straight dropbacks and throw yeah. like ry rhythm passes on like five and seven step drops, like deeper drops. Uh, and that team is not that good at football Yeah, sometimes. So, and that's the one Which... that's like, you know, everybody's like, oh, Brock Purdy was Mr. Irrelevant. He's not actually that good. Shanahan has obviously like 
he's earned a lot of the love that he's he gets in the NFL, right? Like the most innovative mind in terms of like designing a run scheme in the last like 40 years at the very least. However, is, is that genetic? Because like when his dad was the coach in Denver, I mean, I I think he had a very strong amount of working knowledge when he was like twenty one. Yeah, well, like, and when his dad was the coach of the Denver Broncos, the old joke used to be, "It doesn't matter who the running yeah. back is; you just put him behind that offensive line, they're going to run for a thousand yards." And it's right. like Tatum Bell and Mike Hurst and yeah, you know, whoever else. So it's it runs in the family, apparently. Yeah, I mean. Obviously, like he started from a place where most coaches like have to work 10 years in the league to get to probably. So Tatum Bell was a deep pull. You like that one? It was. That was a good one. I hadn't heard that name in quite some time. Trent is sitting out there somewhere and he's like, fuck yeah, Tatum Bell. <clears throat> awesome early 2000s Broncos running back. Damn it, like I gotta do laundry. I'm out of pants. <laughs> I cut you uh, off. I cut you off though. You were yeah. saying Shanahan's so, good, but like he's he's great. But like the focus of how he designs his offense has never been the drop back passing game. I'm not saying that like what they have is like not usable but it's not like this super upper echelon like Andy Reid kind of tier drop back passing game it's not it's not that and then you look at the weapons that they have like yeah Kittle like A plus to find someone that's a better receiving tight end in the NFL like you're probably going to get into some arguments with people because he's in that class of guys where it's like, there's just a bunch of guys that they're kind of hard to separate. Now that Kelsey has seemed to take a little bit of a step back. I mean, I think it's easy. I think it's Sam Laporta and then everybody else. That's, (laughs) that's, that's where I'm at. But like, yeah, George Kittle. Great. Beyond that, Brenda, Brendan, Ayuk, good. Not, a great like number one wide receiver Debo Samuel great offensive weapon don't think you ever want to put him in the AJ Brown or Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson role like it's not that he can't put up a good season doing that not going to be as effective as any of those guys yeah so like we have this guy who was literally Mr. Irrelevant the scheme isn't like top tier and his weapons are good, but not great. What are we expecting out of this guy in those scenarios? It shouldn't be a lot. I'm going to give their weapons more credit than you did, but like the whole pass game and a lot of the receivers games are more based on yards after catch than Mm -hmm. just like making catches. Right. If that makes sense. So it's a lot easier to generate yak opportunities off play action than it is to like drop back and throw a slant for sure. Yeah. And have those guys get yak. And like, that's the thing with like Debo is that I don't want Debo running these like complicated option patterns down the field. No, I want him running stuff. That's like closer to the line of scrimmage where I can get him the ball in space and he can make a play, but it's harder to do that 
when it's you're taking like a five step drop and then I just got to throw to him, you know? Yeah. So, um, but yeah, this, this kind of the thing is like for all the weapons they have, they don't have a true like number one receiver. Yeah, no, that's, that's what you I know? was saying. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I like Debo's great, but he's his own thing. It, I don't, it's not that he needs to be in Shanahan's system, but like his ability is kind of perfect for what Shanahan wants yeah. to do. With he, a receiver, right? Yeah, he he needs to be with a coach that is going to be innovative and is going to say like, hey, this is what I know you're good at. This is what you're going to do. Because if you put him into an offense with like, you know, uh, McDaniels, Josh McDaniels, uh, yeah, like he's just going to line up, line him up out wide and have him run routes all day. And then he'll probably put up like 1,100 yards and six touchdowns. And it's like, okay, that's fine. But like, that's not going to dominate. That's kind of what you need out of a number one. If your offense isn't getting that kind of production somewhere else. Yeah. So this is kind of what I see the game coming down to is like what green Bay did to Dallas is they came in, they got ahead early they're able to kind of like pound the ball on them. Aaron Jones had 20 plus touches. Yeah. They forced a couple turnovers like Dak's trying to catch up the whole mm-hmm. game. Yeah. If they can do that here, then I think they have a chance to win. Yeah. You know, and I think all of the same things we just said about the Ravens game apply here as well, mm-hmm. where San Francisco didn't play last week. Yep. They rested guys the last week of the season. So like, I think if they come out a little rusty, and don't look great, Green Bay is able to grab like a double digit lead. I can see the version of this game where like Purdy is constantly dropping back and throwing passes, like, you know, doing these five, six step drops. And he looks a little shaky, you know, and Jordan Love plays pretty good football on the other side and Green Bay is able to steal another one here. I, I haven't been able to shake this. While the Browns were... Hadn't really emerged as like one of these like clear cut playoff teams. They lost to the Browns, the Vikings, and the Bengals consecutively. Like I I can't shake that Giants game either. It's there's something about the way this team has just not showed up at times that I don't feel good about. I don't know that I'm comfortable enough to like predict the upset, but there's a very real possibility that it happens based on their patterns of behaviors themselves. Yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way about this game that I feel about the Ravens game we just talked about where I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm going to pick San Francisco to win, but I'm not going to bet them to cover a double-digit spread. Mm-mm. in this game because I could see it being like you know 24 21 type of game where it's like really close at the end yeah and I, I could see either the Ravens or San Francisco getting upset but like they've both just been the best teams in their conferences all season and I, I trust them to come out and get a win but I don't think it's going to be pretty if Brad Allen gets that call right Detroit was the one seed and they were the best team all year. So 
Yeah, but then does San Francisco like play their yeah. guys the last game and they're 13 and four? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I hear you. Speaking of, yeah. so are you picking San Francisco as well? I am, but I don't feel good about it. ESPN, what, like a Green Bay, like a 20% chance of winning this game? I put it at like 40. Do you remember the year that? the Rams beat the Bengals in the Super Bowl. So like two years ago. Yeah. The first round of the playoffs was like awful. And then after that, every single game was an absolute <laughs> banger. And it just like kept getting ESPN better. Yeah, an instant classic. Yeah. And yeah. It, every, every game kept topping the one before it. You had like the Chiefs and uh, Bills, like 13 seconds game. And then like the very next game was like an overtime game. Part of me thinks we could see that again this year where like a lot of the teams that won in the wild card round dominated because they were a lot better than their competition. But yeah. now they're going up against like the real good teams. And so like, I think Saturday could be a banger of a day. Oh, for sure. I really do. Um, So game three is actually the only game that like as an objective fan perspective, I'm not super excited about. But from like, you know, I live in Metro Detroit. You're a Lions fan. All my friends yeah. are Lions fans. Uh, so it's Bucks at Lions, 3 p.m. on Sunday. The Lions, I've seen them favored as six, and I've seen them at six and a half other places. Uh, yeah. But it's it's about a touchdown. I, I look at this game, and I look at the San Francisco game we just talked about, and I'm like, man, this is karmic justice for the Lions. You mentioned the really bad Brad Allen call forces them into a game against the Rams. That was like the one good game from last weekend. Yep. And a hell of a win for Detroit. Uh, And they're kind of like rewarded karmically by getting the Bucks, who are probably the only team of the eight teams remaining that I would tell you is not a top eight team in the NFL. Uh, I know they smoked Philly last night on Monday Night Football. I told you they were going to smoke Philly for about six weeks. That, yeah, the problem with that is that Philly has been getting smoked for like eight weeks now. Philly and their... I, the amazing thing about the Eagles is I've never seen a fan base more ready to lose <laughs> than Eagles fans. They were begging to lose. They just wanted it to be over. They couldn't I mean, take it anymore. <laughs> Coming into that game, they had lost like... What? Six of their last seven, something like that. Yeah, it was like, yeah, like when you watch that, you are you know it's coming because you've watched it the last seven weeks. But there was just zero hope that this would turn around. I like even like the most ardent fans. How can you have hope when Matt Patricia is calling your defense? I even the most like ardent (laughs) Philadelphia fans though, like because you would secretly be sitting there and just be like, oh, well, maybe there's a chance we turn it around and go on a run because we have all this talent and blah, blah, blah. There was not a single Philly fan yeah. sitting there that wanted to turn it around. Well, that's because they hadn't been abused like us Lions fans. It's just amazing <laughs> to me. Nobody even wanted to win that game in Philadelphia. They're like, thank God. It was like... <laughs> the Bucks come out and start dominating. Philly starts coming back a little bit and all the Philly fans are like, no, no, stop <laughs> it. 
get out of here. And then there's like the safety mm-hmm. on Hertz. And after that, Philly just completely fell apart. And they're like, oh, thank oh, God. Because yeah. they want to fire Sirianni so bad. I mean, as they should, I don't think he's a good coach. Yeah, but has anybody ha- ever had like a faster fall from grace? He was in the Super Bowl last year. He was 14 and two. Marty it's Schottenheimer. In- it's incredible. Yeah. Okay. Marty Schott, that's fair. But Marty Schottenheimer lost in the first round of the playoffs, at least. Yeah. Just like Philly. Yeah, this year, but la- like he was in the Super Bowl last year. He just made the Super Bowl and they could have, should have, would have won if it wasn't for, you know, they had a chance. So I think that's amazing. But I, I know that people are like, oh man, Buccaneers, Baker Mayfield as an underdog, just beat Philly 32 to nine. They're looking really good. No, that team, that Philly team was just begging for it. Yeah. They wanted to lose so bad. With, with Philly though, too, it's like you've, you've had bad coaches that kind of got masked before and you lived with them for too long. (laughs) Doug Peterson. Did do you really want to do that again? It's kind of funny because the story of Philly continually is that they have these awesome coordinators that make the team good. Yep. And then they lose the coordinator and they keep the shitty coach. So like, yeah. you know, Steichen and Gannon just left and Philly's like awful now, but it was the same thing with Peterson where they had uh Frank Reich was like really the coordinator or really like the, the reason that team was good. And then yeah. he leaves. It's just Peterson. So uh, but for the Bucks now, like you go from playing a team that was just dead and like ready to roll over at home to going into a literal lion's den. Yeah. And a team that is like hungry is not a strong enough adjective. This team is starving to make the NFC championship game. And I just, you know, the yeah. other games I'm like, ah, okay, this is who I'm going to pick, but I can see right. a world where this happens. The lions are winning this football game. Yeah. I don't, well, like, no chance. The Rams literally had to waste two timeouts because they like couldn't communicate because of the noise. And we saw at the end of that game, they really would have liked to have had two more timeouts. Yeah, that was such a good game. Like, yeah. I, I enjoyed that. Uh, the only thing I didn't enjoy about the game was I was not impressed uh, with how the Detroit fans treated Matt Stafford and his family. Same. Like they boo him when he's introduced. They booed his children. Yeah. Like they were treating him like, um, you know, like LeBron James coming back to Cleveland with Miami or right. like Kawhi Leonard. Like they were treating him like he jilted the lions. And it's like, yeah. dude, he, he did right by you guys forever. Yeah. Asking for the trade was the right thing to do. And then like, even after he left, he does all this stuff for the city of Detroit. And the fans are just like, no, nah, fuck this guy. We hate him. Like what, what has he ever done to make lions fans hate him? I don't understand that. And like, yeah. even if you do hate him, I don't care how much you hate him. You don't boo his children. No, like, come on. So, yeah, well, and I've, and I've seen the reaction online by some blind fans. Like, Oh, nobody booed his children. It's like, even if the entire crowd wasn't booing him, booing his children, you cannot tell me there were not a few assholes in lower level seats that didn't do that because every fan base has a few bad apples and I can totally see those dudes taking it too far. 
I didn't feel like you needed to like roll out the red carpet for him and just be like, we love you. Here's a tribute video, blah, no, blah. But just like, not reacting when he's introduced is enough. Well, I would have liked to see him get like a round of applause when he's introduced and then you like root against him for the whole game. And then at the end of the game, you give him another round of applause. I would have been fine with all that. But like, look, I get that the rest of the fan base doesn't feel like that's appropriate. And I, I get it. Like the storyline with Jared Goff, maybe it's not the best look to like applaud your former quarterback. There's a lot of people who have a hard time believing that you can support your current quarterback while showing appreciation for a former quarterback. And you know what? The easiest way to show respect to both of them, just don't fucking say a thing. I only support my former quarterback. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking hate the current one. Well, apparently Bill did too. So that's fair. I'm sure you've, I'm sure you've heard those reports that he wanted to draft Davis Mills instead of Mac Jones. I was talking about uh, like after year two, he was ready to move on from Mac and Bob Kraft was like, no, we're going to give him another year with the new coordinator. Yeah, I was also ready to move on from Mac after year two. So me and oh, I know. we're locked up. Uh, yeah, I just was watching Matt Stafford's press conference after the game and they were like, how do you feel for the fans? And he's like, I'm happy for the team. And I was like, God, no franchise. Yeah, pushes away former stars better than the Detroit Lions. And they're yep. like, God, Seriously. Calvin Johnson won't even talk to you guys. You know, well, he's like connected to the franchise now. I know it's getting better, but like, man, come on. That, yeah. I was also watching like the Fab Five reunion yesterday. Do you see like all five of them were at a game for the first time since yeah. college because Chris Weber finally came back? And I was like, man, is this just a Michigan thing? <laughs> just fucking piss everybody off. I don't understand what anyone thought like positive could could come out of booing him. Like seriously. Yeah. It is. There's no benefit to it. It's like, Oh, I saw a dude at the bar that like I was cool with, but like we kind of ended on someone's like not the best terms. And then I go and decide to pick a fight with him. That's exactly what that was. Act like you've been here before. Yeah, it was, it, I know was, it's the first it was childish. Time. It was funny. I was talking to a bunch of my friends and they were all excited. The Lions won and they're like, oh, Adam, is this what it feels like to win a wild card game? And I was like, I don't know what it's like to win a wild card game. <laughs> my team never fucking played in the wild card round. So <laughs> uh, I had to throw that in there because my team is awful. <laughs> so I, I'm going Lions. I'm assuming that you're going uh, Buccaneers and that we disagree on this one. This is not the one. I think it's funny that the last eight quarter. I told you this the other day, but it's funny. The last eight quarterbacks left. You look at the AFC and it's like Lamar versus Stroud. Yeah. And it's Mahomes versus Allen, which we're going to talk about next. And then like the NFC, it's like, okay, we got Purdy and love and then Goff and fucking Baker Mayfield. I'll I'll give respect to, you know, I obviously I love love and I'll give respect to Goff and Purdy, but I just feel like Baker Mayfield is like the that meme with all the businessmen sitting around Big Bird. <laughs> They're all okay. like, okay. what are you In, doing here? Baker Mayfield has played really, really well the last like 10 weeks. Yeah, he, he has, but 
where was he on your list of quarterbacks that you might take instead of Dak Prescott? With Dak Prescott. Yeah, he wasn't in the for sure part of the list. Along with Jordan Love. So, but also I'll give Baker Mayfield credit. Is that the like best free agent signing like since ever? Like they, they paid him like $2 million <laughs> yeah, and they're in the yeah, second it's, round it's of the playoff. Definitely the most cost effective. That's incredible. Uh, all right. So we both are going lions. I'm also going to take them to cover six points um, or six and a half. I'll take either one. I, I, I think the books are better now than when we played them, but it really wasn't very close when we played them. So it's not going to surprise me if the lions stomp the bucks. No. On Sunday, like if it's basically the reverse of the Philly game where it's like 30 to 10, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I think, like I said, it's like karmic justice for the Lions because they had to play the Rams. And I I think the Rams belong in divisional round weekend, but it just, you know, it had to be one or the other. Um, And now they get like if they played the Bucks in the first round and the Rams in the second round, I think that would make more sense with like the scores we're going to see. I very much think if the Rams played anyone other than Detroit that was in the wild card round, they would be here. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I also, though, if I'm San Francisco, I'm looking at it and I'm like, God, how, like, why do I have to play this Green Bay team that's like super hot and the Lions get the Buccaneers? This is bull. Uh, last thought before we go on to the last game, too. Is a Raven like the Ravens 49ers Lions parlay? If you take those three teams together right now, that's plus 104. Mm-hmm. Is that just like way too easy? I, I feel yes. like that's way too easy, and that one of those teams is going to lose. Yeah, it's going to be the 49ers. If Jordan Love beats the 49ers, will you come on the podcast next week and say Jordan Love is good? I will. Will you settle for me saying he's not bad? I'll take whatever I can get from you. I like, <laughs> I feel like you would rather die than give Jordan love any credit. Yes. I, I feel like if he played for any other team, you would just be like, yeah, he's good. He's fine. <laughs> because he's on the Packers. You're like, I will literally die before I say he's good on this podcast. I mean, there might be an element of that. Yes. I know. I know this. Cause I know you and I feel the same way about uh, a quarterback. We're about to talk about um, game four. Kansas City at Buffalo, uh, Sunday night, 630. The Bills are favored by two and a half. I just want to say that like this Sunday and next Sunday are like the perfect football days. Yeah, I absolutely love the 3 p.m. and the 630 start time. Because this game's going to end around like, you know, 930, 10 o'clock, and then I can brush my teeth and go to bed and get in bed on time. I don't have to stay up until like midnight watching the Lions and the Rams. So I I am really trying to get there with Buffalo, but I don't know if I can. So like Kansas City's defense was number two this year in yards allowed per game. They were 16th against the run and number four against the pass. So like it's pretty obvious you want to run on them. But I don't know if I can trust Buffalo to consistently run the ball for three hours on Sunday. Yeah, like. If you tell me right now, James Cook is going to get 20 plus carries or that like the combination of James Cook and Josh Allen are going to carry the ball like 25 to 30 times, I'd probably pick Buffalo. That's yeah, that's my fear. I just look at this and I look at 
the playoff game they lost last year to the Bengals, where the Bengals came into Buffalo, beat them 26 to 10 in the snow. And Buffalo ran the ball 19 times and threw it 42 times. Yeah. Even though it clearly was not working. And I'm just like, this is the problem. This has always been the problem with Buffalo and Josh Allen. Like as long as Josh Allen's been there and he's been good, you can't just take what's working. They have to like make the hero ball plays. And if they do that in this game, they're going to lose. And I mean, on the other side, it's like, I can't feel comfortable with Kansas City because they can't fucking score. Like, you look at that Buffalo defense, they're not just going to bend over for them. Like, that's a really, really good defense. Yeah, they they lost a couple starters last week who they might miss this week. So, like, that's going to be a little bit tough. Kansas City's biggest problem right now is they can't score in the red zone. Yeah. You know, and it's because Travis Kelsey, like we've been saying for weeks, has kind of taken a step back. But like, wouldn't it just be so Kansas City to win this game like 35-31 in Buffalo? It's like it's a shootout and all of a sudden Travis Kelsey is just like back to Travis Kelsey. And we're like, where the hell did this come from? Like, I, I mean, I think Buffalo has every advantage in this game. Mm-hmm. I think they're a better team. And like I've been saying, I've been chomping at the bit to pick Buffalo over Kansas city in the wild card round. But now that we're here and it's the divisional <laughs> round, I'm like, ah, God, I really, I don't know if I can get there. Cause I just didn't believe in Buffalo all season. And we just keep seeing the same issues with them over and over again. Yeah. I don't think there's a pick that I feel good about in this game. Yeah. This is another one where it's like, I said this about the Rams and lions last week is like, I was like, I'm going to pick the lions and I'm just going to feel bad about it, but I'd feel bad about whoever I picked. Yeah, we saw that come to fruition because it was literally a 24 23 game. And it's like, yeah, it wouldn't have felt good (laughs) either (laughs) way. The only reason I felt good is because I got it right. But like, wasn't going to feel good with the pick. I also like a lot of people right now are hyping up Buffalo because they just beat Pittsburgh pretty bad. But like there was no TJ Watt. We know what Pittsburgh is without TJ Watt. Yeah, I kind of like I'm throwing that game out. And then also Kansas city just played in like negative 27 degree weather. I don't know if I can learn anything from them speckledorfing the dolphins. Yeah. I mean, congratulations. You beat frozen fish. I I was thinking about that. Yeah. So I'm watching that game the other day, uh, illegally streaming it because I absolutely refused to pay for Peacock. Oh yeah. Fuck that shit. Uh, And I was like, it's literally a hundred degrees warmer in my house. Than it feels in Kansas City because they're like it's negative 27 and it was like 73 in my house because we got to heat it up for my son to sleep. And I was like, it's 100 degrees warmer in here. And I was like, you know, when I was younger, I wanted to be a professional athlete. I was like, that would be so cool to be a professional athlete. I do not have the drive, first of all, to be a professional athlete, but secondly, to be outside in negative 27 degrees. I had to go out to the end of my driveway today to get my trash cans from the end of the driveway. And it's like eight degrees here in Michigan. And I was like, oh, yeah. I'm so miserable right now. I cannot imagine playing a football game that feels like negative 27. Yeah. So I saw people on Twitter being like, oh, the players are okay. Like they have, they'll have heaters on the sideline. I'm like, have you ever tried running a space heater outside? 
it does nothing because the heat just immediately goes up and there's nowhere to for it. To, there's nothing trapping it. You know what I was thinking of? When we were juniors in high school and yep. we were backups on the football team our junior year. The we, big ass coats. Yes, we had to play uh, a local high school in the playoffs. In the It was like 52 to 35 or something. Yeah. And Matt and uh, one of our other buddies and me were all sharing this giant coat because they didn't have enough coats <laughs> for everybody. And the coaches were walking up and down the sideline and they're like, all right, who wants to go into the game? And nobody raised their hand. (laughs) We've been standing on the sideline in like eight degree weather with it raining and snowing sideways for like three hours. We're not going to go play a football game. Are you crazy? It's like, how badly do you want one of us to pull a hamstring? I I would have gotten out there and just. I was like a free safety that year. I would have just stood there and just been like, just run by me. <laughs> I'm not moving. But anyway, so the weather should be a little bit better for this one. But it's hard to take lessons from last week. But I see a lot of people saying like, oh, the Bills uh, should be the favorite in the AFC now. Or like they've proven like they're the best team in the AFC. And I'm like, okay, I will never go that far on the Bills. Well, yeah, you're physically incapable of it, but... I'm okay with saying that the Bills should be the favorite in this game. Oh yeah, if, no, if they're if the if the Ravens handle their business, you cannot tell me that the Bills should be favored over them. Like that, that's absolute crazy talk. Yeah, no, I I'm a hard agree there. Yeah, I'd, the Bills should definitely be the favorite here. Home playoff game. Uh, very interestingly, like I said, Patrick Mahomes has now played 15 playoff games. He has never played one on the road. I, mean, I think you could look at the Super Bowl that they lost to Tampa that was in Tampa and say it was kind of a road game, but like with how many neutral fans there are at a Super Bowl, it's not the same thing. Yeah. So I'm actually like really interested to see Patrick Mahomes play his first road playoff game this weekend. I I waffled on this pick just back and forth and back and forth. I'm going to go with Kansas City and bet kansas city's money line on sunday like we're in lockstep on like our thoughts about this game but in terms of our uh risk analysis i think we're in a little bit different place it's been like what like since mid-year we've been basically saying like kind of chomping at the bit to bet against kansas city in the playoffs like this is just not a championship team. There's plenty of reasons to bet for or against either of these teams. And if I turn around and don't take the opportunity to follow through on like what we said we were going to do, like I'm not going to be happy about it. So I, I will take Buffalo here because at the very least, like, we know what their peak is. Their peak's pretty high. Kansas City's peak is not high at all. It ain't great. Yeah, I just, I look at this though, and I think that Kansas City's defense is actually legitimately very good. Oh, it is, but, and but like, I, I think you can say that on both sides. I just worry that this is going to be just like last year with Cincinnati where I pick Cincinnati to come in and do the same thing where like the team comes in, they dominate the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. 
And it's just like, uh, same old Bills. But like, also, if the Bills win this game or win by like double digits, I'm not going to be stunned because of what we've been saying about Kansas City all year. I just, I know how badly I want the Kansas City Taylor Swift thing to end. And that's why I know it won't. (laughs) So at least not until next week, but. I'd- yeah, that that I mean that's a valid point. Uh, Goodell might be making a call to the refs, being like, "Hey, we need one more game of this." Yeah, just just wait until it's Kansas City versus the Lions in the Super Bowl, and we have all these like Taylor Swift versus Eminem commercials, and how annoying that's going to be. Oh my god! At least the Lions would be in the Super Bowl. <laughs> um, but yeah, overall, I just I feel like the weekend from a gambling perspective just looks too easy to me. Like if so right now, Ravens, 49ers and Lions, if you parlay those, that's plus 110. If you throw in the Bills, it's plus 256. And if you throw in the Chiefs, it's plus 366. So like really, you could place both those four leg parlays. And either way, you would win money. But that just leads me to believe that like either the Ravens or the 49ers are going down this weekend. Got a got a little feeling on on the 49ers, but and yet we'll see. Yet he says Jordan Love is not a good quarterback. Uh all right. Lightning Aaron round Jones time. <laughs> Lightning round bolds and scolds from wildcard weekend. Uh again, the rules will give you the thing. You get one or two lines because we're we run long on the playoff analysis. Uh, my bold for the wild card round is Rams wide receiver Puka Nakua set the NFL record for catches and yards by a rookie this season. A lot of people said, oh, he's just playing the Cooper Cup role. Uh, and when Cooper Cup came back from his injury, he kind of dipped a little bit. But then nine catches for 181, which is a rookie record and a TD against the Lions. Yeah. And just like every time they needed a play, it was the poop nuke. So he yeah. was awesome. Uh I was looking at yards after catch. He was six in the league in yards after catch this year. And I think something that I need to look at more for wide receivers in the draft, because the other top guys were CD lamb, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Rasheed Rice, Nico Collins was up there. Jamar chase was up there. Yeah. Good on him. He's a fifth round pick. And now he's like one of the best rookie receivers of all time. He was a bit of a league winner in fantasy. Right, because like if you got him, you got him in the last round, or you picked him up off of waivers. Him and Kyron were really like the yeah. league winners this year because they were both For like sure. either waiver ads or late picks. But uh, who was your bold? Uh this one should be pretty obvious. Uh, it's the combination of Dan Campbell and Brad Holmes. Like they, they fucking did it they came in and within three years did what hadn't been done in over 30 years right like they totally revitalized this franchise and like they built a team that nobody wants to play regardless of who they have out there good pick uh, my scold for the wild card weekend is there's fans all over the internet who are begging their teams not to hire Bill Belichick as their next coach. I, I just saw it from so many fans this week, like Dallas fans, Atlanta fans, Philly fans, 
everybody's like, oh, God, I just really hope we don't hire Bill Belichick. And it's like, great. So you guys would all rather hire like the flavor of the month coordinator to come to your team, a thing that has fucked all of you in the past. So have fun (laughs) avoiding the greatest coach of all time and picking like some coordinator who you have no idea if he's going to be able to do it or not. I'll die on the hill that I think that Bill still has a lot to offer as a coach. Oh yeah, for sure. Like he's, he's a coach that any team would be lucky to have. Um, yeah, maybe you guys can get him in new England. That I would love that. <laughs> Bring him back. No, we already hired our new coach and I'm not excited. Yeah. I know. I'd, ra- I'd rather have bill. Yeah. That, I don't know. That was, that was a choice. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I did a whole podcast about it that came out on Saturday. So if you guys are interested in my feelings, about everything that's gone down in New England over the last couple of weeks. Go back and listen to that one. Who is your scold for Wild Card Weekend? Uh, my scold for Wild Card Weekend is everyone who at the end of the regular season was looking at the Dallas Cowboys and said, this team is different. No. <laughs> It's it's not even the end of the regular season. It's just like everyone who throughout the season was like, this is our year and like this team yep. is different. Yeah. And I just I'm kicking myself again for not picking against Dallas because the very first podcast we did of the entire football season. Yeah. It's like Dallas's destiny, win 12 games, lose to worst team in the playoffs. Should have listened to myself. You literally predicted it to a T. Too many fans, too many people in sports media that like coming into this week were just like, no, this this Dallas team feels different. They they feel like no, that there was nothing, nothing this year that indicated that they were different. They've done all this shit before. And like the fact that so many people couldn't see it is absolutely hilarious to me. They're just this is who they are, right? And I'm honestly a little surprised that I haven't seen the Mike McCarthy firing yet. I I got to imagine it's coming, but good god. Yeah. I was going to say just wait until next year when we do the whole same song and dance again after they hire Bill Belichick this offseason. But that is it for us. As always, Foul Duck can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Overcast, anywhere you get your podcast. Uh, do not hit us up on Twitter. Email us, fouledoutsports at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your feedback about the podcast. And as always, we appreciate you guys listening. And you can find our videos on TikTok at Fouled Out Sports Podcast. It's a long name, but you can't miss it. Uh, obviously, lots of great games this weekend. I really think that like three out of these four games are going to be really good so don't let the spreads fool you and scare you away from watching the games i think that we have an opportunity to have some really good games and maybe a couple upsets on our hands as well here too so uh have fun enjoy the football matt i'm sure i'll talk to you throughout the week uh and while these games are going on this weekend good luck to you and your motor city kitties meow (laughs) and on that note we'll see you guys later Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Bye, Bye, Robin. Robin.